Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the many blessings you've already poured upon us throughout this day. So much already. And now the blessed opportunity to get back into your word. Help us now as we do that to understand it, apply it in the right way, draw close to you, build our faith and trust in you and in your word. Thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Safe and secure in the hands of God. We as Christians can have such safety. The ungodly, not so much. It's going to be a day of accountability. They're not going to be safe and secure. There's a lot of questionable things happening around the world right now that should really get our attention. We see the prophecies of the last days and we see how clear it is for the fulfillment of the prophecies of the last days. When they were written, it was far more confusing to those when they wrote it and, and those that studied it many years ago. But in today's society and with today's technology, we can see how all the things that are prophesied that will be taking place in the last days during the tribulation time and so forth, uh, it's all set up. It's all right at the verge. So we are so close to that event, the days, the last days. So we need to get ready. We need to be ready to go. And we need to be sharing that opportunity of readiness with others out there as well. We need to know that there is a way of salvation, that the Lord has provided that for us through the finished work of Jesus Christ, that we can be safe and secure in His hand, protected from all harm, because we know that we are eternal creatures. We will live forever. So even if this body that we are in gets destroyed, that shouldn't be a concern for the truly born-again faithful Christian because they know they have a glorified body to look forward to. Jesus teaching Nicodemus over in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, concerning this condition that a Christian has to actually be born again, like we were studying in First Peter earlier, the term born again, being brought back to life, quickened, our spirit being quickened, brought to life. Because we understand when we come into this world, we are spiritually dead. We have an eternal soul and we have a physical body. And then we have a spirit that's dead. We need to understand that when we trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, He brings that spirit alive and indwells us with His spirit and has that constant communication, that communion with the Holy Ghost directly to the Heavenly Father, available to born-again Christians, which seals us, a seal that cannot be broken. And as it say in teaching Nicodemus here in, in John chapter 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus was not thinking in the spiritual sense. He was only thinking in the physical world. And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Clarifying verse 5 there, where he's speaking of water and spirit. Being born of the flesh. Having a human existence is what he's speaking of, and knowing that you have a spiritual existence available as well. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto you, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and we ye receive not our witness. They had shown him so much, they had witnessed so much, but yet they still weren't comprehending it. Reads, if I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how should ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Speaking about lifting up on that cross. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now this believing is by living in, not just a mental acknowledgement of the existence of a man in history named Jesus Christ, but accepting him as Lord, acknowledging him, knowing truthfully that he is God in the flesh. That is truly believing. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, everyone that comes into the world is condemned automatically because they are a descendant of Adam and Eve, spiritually dead, condemned for an eternity in the lake of fire until they acknowledge and repent and accept Jesus Christ. They are condemned. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That darkness, they wanted to hide. They wanted to conceal it. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved or revealed. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God, worked in God. The Christian doing a godly work wants his work revealed, wants his work known, because knowing that there's going to be a reward for such, acknowledging that and looking forward to that. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So Jesus Christ is the only way to the heavenly Father. And the only way to everlasting life, the only way to become born again is by believing in Jesus Christ. Then you become a trinity. We are created in the image of God. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, we are body, soul, spirit. Coming into this world, 
spiritually dead, but with a body and a soul. When we become born again, we become quickened, brought back to life, we become a trinity once again, body, soul, and spirit, created in the image of God. And it's a simple process, but yet it is so simple that most people think it cannot be true. But yet they don't want to acknowledge their sins. They don't want to acknowledge Jesus Christ. They do not want to they do not want to acknowledge God the Father because when they do, then they know that there's a day of accountability. And they don't want to be accountable. Romans chapter three twenty three for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Simply put. Everyone has sinned. You might go out there witnessing and talking to folks and say, well, I haven't done anything real bad, so I don't need to repent. Don't work that way. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. That is death that is all the way back to Adam and Eve put upon mankind. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord that we just read about in John 3.16, the gift of God. That gift, opportunity of forgiveness, opportunity of adoption, a cleansing, a bringing back to life. Romans 5.8 But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Bunch of sinners, but yet He still, by grace, died, became the ultimate sacrifice. Romans 10.9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Notice the acknowledgement of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which confirms that you believe that he is God in the flesh, that he is the ultimate sacrifice, that he can forgive your sins. Not just a mental acknowledgement of the existence of a man that was once upon the earth. It takes more than that. Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call upon the name of the Lord. Ask for forgiveness. He'll wash you clean. you become saved. That being saved means saved from an eternity in the lake of fire, which is where everyone that does not accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior is going to wind up. Simple as that. But it's... As simple as confessing your sins and asking for forgiveness, as he says in First John, the small epistle of First John, in chapter one, in verse nine. So well put, where he says, "If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all." unrighteousness from all of it gone as far as the east is from the west taken away from us never to be brought back up against us again by god will satan bring it up against you sure will mankind bring it up against you sure will yourself bring it up against you sure shouldn't be but yes and keep you down and think well you're not worthy you did this you did that so you're not a christian how could you be or you would never have done that Well, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, just like we read earlier. All have sinned. No matter how small or how big the sin is, it's still a sin. And come short of the glory of God. So we've got to acknowledge what Jesus Christ has done for us, and who Jesus Christ is, repent, and He'll forgive us. 
all of it and take it away as far as the east is from the west. We don't have to worry about it anymore. In 1 John chapter 5, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. The Christ. Christ is a Greek word which means the anointed one. Same as the Hebrew word which is Messiah. Which means the anointed one. The one that was chosen to be the ultimate sacrifice for all mankind is Jesus Christ. And when you believe that Jesus is the Christ then you are believing the prophecies. You are believing the fulfillment of it. You believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the opportunity of salvation. And you become born again. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth Him that begat, loveth Him also that is begotten of Him. You love God, you love Jesus Christ. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. Now the two great commandments is what He's focusing on. To love God with all your existence and to love others as yourself. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. All of the commandments of the Old Testament, all of them were directed to, to hone a person into a submissive, obedient, loving, caring person. And that's what they were all leading toward. That's what they were all supposed to bring. Yet mankind kept failing. We're coming short of it. So Jesus Christ became the ultimate sacrifice, given us the opportunity of salvation through His finished work, so we didn't have to try to work our way to salvation. It's accepting the finished work of Jesus Christ. When we truly acknowledge God, love Him with all of our existence, and then love others, as Jesus Christ puts it in in Matthew chapter 22, in verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. That is your complete existence. Everything needs to be primarily focused on pleasing God, loving God. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. We read those over and over because he tells us over and over all through the Bible to do those things. And that's what we're supposed to do. Challenging, yes, but we're supposed to. Verse 2 again of First John chapter 5. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep His commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. They're not grievous. They're beneficial to us, not harmful to us. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh? Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood. Water and blood. Even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. 
For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. When we truly acknowledge Jesus Christ, what He has done, who He is, part of the Trinity, then we're getting a more understanding of who we're dealing with. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which He hath testified of His Son. Now when we look at the Old Testament verses pertaining to the prophecies concerning the coming of Jesus Christ, born in the flesh of Mary, of the bloodline that goes back all the way to Abraham. Well, you take it all the way back to Seth. You want to go all the way back to Adam and Eve. The records are in here. Prophesied, fulfilled, in the intricate detail. Those are the witnesses. And the Holy Ghost Himself is a witness of the existence of Jesus Christ. And when we trust all of that and believe all that and know, fulfill prophecies in the intricate detail, the prophecies that we are seeing on the brink of being fulfilled, we know are going to come true exactly like they were prophesied. So you've got to be ready. You've got to be prepared. Verse 10, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. That's the Holy Ghost is in you, constantly talking to your spirit. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar and because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. They don't believe the prophecies. They don't believe the fulfillment. They don't believe the records. They don't believe the Holy Ghost. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Simple as that. They're dead. The walking dead. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. That's why we have these records preserved for us. So we can know for a certainty that we have that relationship, that we have everlasting life, that we are adopted into the family, that we can look forward to judgment, not dread judgment. And over in Romans chapter 8, in verse 35... Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Like, who could possibly separate us from that love? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecutions, or famine, or nakedness, or, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. This increase of persecution that we are seeing around the world today is very evident. There's a a horrible increase of persecution in Pakistan and in India, recent records, groups, massive groups of Muslims rising up, burning churches and, and abusing the Christians. And it's horrible. It's on the increase. It's on the increase in this country as well. Rizne, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what we have, the assurance of. The assurance of our salvation. The assurance of knowing that we are sealed by the Holy Ghost. That we don't have to worry about being separated from our physical body because we have a glorified body to look forward to. One in heaven that is incorruptible. It will not fade away. It will not wither away. It is eternal in the heavens. In 2 Corinthians 1 verses 21 to 22, now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath accounted, excuse me, and hath anointed us is God. When we acknowledge that this power that came over us, that gave us salvation and sealed us and indwelt us is God, the Heavenly Father, who hath also sealed us. Verse 22 there, who have also sealed us. That's a seal that cannot be broken by anything like we just read in Romans chapter 8. Peril of the sword, pestilence, anything. Angels, nobody, nothing. Satan, nothing. Even ourselves cannot break that seal. When you become a born-again Christian, you're sealed. Who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. That's the first wondrous and eternal blessing that we have received. The indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost. Never to depart from us. And that's just a tiny sample of what He's going to give us for eternity. Over in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1. A couple verses here. First in chapter 1 verse 7. In whom, Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. His grace, which is that unmerited favor. It isn't that we work so hard and then we earned it. No, He gave it to us because He loves and cares for us. That's available to all mankind. And then jump on over to verse 11. In whom, Jesus Christ of course, in whom also we have obtained the inheritance. Like we were speaking of earlier in First Peter, the inheritance. How do you become a, an heir to that inheritance? By becoming part of the family. And we are adopted into the family when we become born again. When dwelt with the Holy Ghost. Adopted, never to be kicked out. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. It was predetermined that this would be available that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. That's the key there. Being sealed by the Holy Ghost which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Until that time when we are right there with the Lord, stepping into the big, beautiful, brand new earth, which we'll then be able to see far more of the blessings that come our way by trusting in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. 
When we understand and truly know that we have that available to us and that we are sealed and that there's nothing that can take that away from us, we can have such peace that passeth all understanding that the Word tells us about. We can have that calmness. We can have that joyfulness. We can have all the fruits of the Spirit be evident to all of those around us so that we can truly know and understand that if we simply, as it said there in 1 John Chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all of it taken away as far as the east is from the west. Jesus Christ taught this very thing when He was teaching the disciples and those that were around, and He was telling them about how that He is, in comparison to a vine, that He is the true vine and that we are connected to Him. When we become born-again Christians, we are latched on and connected to Him, and that when we truly trust in Him, that we stay in that, and we acknowledge that, and receive all of that nourishment that comes our way, and we can get the teaching that comes from Him, and we acknowledge Him as our Lord and Shepherd, our Savior, our Shepherd, our Bishop, the one and only true shepherd, as he teaches about the shepherd over in John chapter 10. The Gospel of John in chapter 10. Let's go ahead and pick it up in verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Speaking of false teachers out there, false preachers, those that want to draw the flock away, those that want to step up as if they are a shepherd. You have people absolutely in the ministry that have been in the pulpit and have said that they were the shepherd of the church and that the church should follow them. And we've seen examples of that. I've heard church members actually say, we must follow our shepherd, talking about the pastor, which is a total sacrilege. There is only one true shepherd, that's Jesus Christ, period. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, that's Jesus Christ. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of the strangers. When you're truly listening to Jesus Christ instead of just some preacher, then you're going to be listening to Jesus Christ and following Jesus Christ, not just some preacher. Never follow a preacher, never follow a priest, a pastor, or any other man, woman on this earth. Never. Always follow Jesus Christ. Does he use others to help guide and protect and, and teach and share? Sure. But they're just hirelings. They're just others that are assisting. They're equal to the flock. They are equal to the rest of the sheep. But clearly... He puts this over in verse 27. John chapter 10, picking up verse 27. 
My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Only Jesus Christ. Only Him. No man. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. That is the key. We are in the Father's hand. No one, nothing in existence can pluck us out of the Heavenly Father's hand. When we are sealed by the Holy Ghost, when we are born again, adopted into the family, we are safe and secure in God's hand. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank You for that security, that safety, that seal of the Holy Ghost that comes into us. Help all of us to understand, to truly truly know that we have everlasting life, to truly know you as our Lord and Savior. If there be any doubts in anybody's mind that is listening to this, let them do what you say in your word, to confess their sins, to trust you, to believe in you, and receive you into their hearts, and receive that seal of the Holy Ghost so they can be looking forward to those words that you tell us in your word. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And be looking forward to all the many blessings that are available. And we truly know they are by grace. And we thank you all so much for that grace. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen.